service. I love it when the worship and the announcements even and the communion all tie together. In fact, if you just wanted to sing this, that song about five or six more times, you would have my message well in, uh, instilled in your heart. So I just, I love it when God shows up. So I am, did I always say I'm at Hires? I did tell you that, right? No. Okay. I'm still at Hires and uh, one of the pastors here at Shiloh. And today I have the privilege of bringing you the third message uh, in a four-part series entitled God With Us. So our series is based on a scripture out of Matthew, uh, chapter 123, where it says this, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So during these messages, the first two, we've been talking about the presence of God in our lives in the different seasons of our lives, okay? We all tend to experience God differently, and a lot of that experience is based on life conditions that we go through. So the first week, Pastor Greg spoke about the presence of God in the valleys. So he said this one key point, we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys. Then Josh Locke last week brought a message, the presence of God in the wilderness. And Josh said that in the wilderness, God will often whisper to us, and then he told us why. And the reason is, he whispers because he's close. He also pointed out something else I thought was really a a great point. Our deepest needs become a gift when they drive us to depend on God. So today we're going to talk about the presence of God in storms. So how many here would say at some point in your life, you have gone through a difficult time, which I will label as a storm sometime, just at least once? Come on, every hand in here, right? I don't want to call you out. All right. So how many here would also say, Ed, I've not only gone through a storm, I have gone through a number of storms over the course of my life. Yes, everyone's hands should be up. All right, so that is what, that's a reality of life, all right? The older I get, I realize that I am either coming out of a storm, I'm in a storm, or I'm going to be in a storm. That's life. You see, life has storms for all of us. And life is difficult at times. It's painful at times. Scripturally, that's sound. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out, delivers him out of them all. You see, the purpose of storms for you and I is that we become familiar with his awesome grace and his mercy. And it says, anyway, he delivers us out of them all. You see, I would submit to you that, that where you learned about God and to trust God has only been in the storms of life, not on the mountaintops of life. What I love about this scripture, I want to point out something maybe you haven't seen. It says that many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's a, that's a broad term, right? Hopefully applies to all of you here that have accepted Christ as your Savior. But it says he delivers him out of them all. So, You see, while 
God looks at all the people and says, there's a lot of storms out there. When it comes to your storm, that's where God looks. See, God is very specific. He doesn't look at all storms combined. He looks at your storm, and he delivers you out of your storm. Now, I want to introduce you to a new version of the Bible you haven't seen before. It's called the EHV, the Ed Hires version. Yes, okay? It is not for sale, um, but here's the key point I take out of his, which reads this way. Christians will have many storms in, in their lives, but the Lord always calms those storms and sees each one through them successfully. So, so here is a key point there, though. It is based on God's definition of successfully, not yours. Okay, our definition of successfully in a storm is that it basically turns out the way we want it to turn out. Okay, but, but see, here's God's purpose always in my life, in your life, in everyone's life, is to do whatever he does for the glory of his kingdom and for the building of his kingdom. That's God's one primary goal in the work he does here on this earth. What he did by sending Jesus Christ was to build his kingdom. And he will bring you out of your storm successfully to build his kingdom. So it doesn't always, now sometimes it does, right? I've been through storms, turned out exactly the way I wanted it. But when it doesn't hang in there, over time you will realize why God brought that storm to the conclusion he did. So, We're going to be talking about a question, discussing it today. How is God with us in the midst of a storm? So can I take a brief rabbit trail? Because I like rabbit trails. I I like to know why. When I was a kid, I drove my parents crazy with the word why, okay? So I want to know a little bit about storms. So a little bit of information. In 2019, can anyone name any of the major hurricanes? I I have three that I'm thinking of. No, that was the other year before two. But good, big storm. All right, I, I can't hear anyone that are correct, so you all fail. Um, uh, Hurricane Dorian, Hurricane Umberto, and Hurricane Lorenzo. Those were three big ones, those other ones. But did you ever wonder what classifies a storm as a storm? Well, let me tell you, because you are going to hear it today. So the, the lowest storm is a tropical wave with, with winds of 25 miles an hour. Now, understand this. You may say, oh, well, I, we're going to get winds over 25 miles an hour today. Sustained winds, meaning that they're minimum 25, they gust over that. Tropical depressions, the next one, 25 plus. Tropical storm, this is where it gets big, 39 plus, And then a hurricane, 74 plus. Now, in 1953, they decided to name tropical storms from tropical storm to hurricane, and they used alphabetized, A, down through the alphabet, female names, all right? In 1978, men felt a little left out, so they added men's names to the list, and they alternate. A is, can be a woman, be a man, see a woman, right? I know you're on the edge of your seats right now. This is really good, isn't it? Uh, the, you are in church. Yes, you are. I'm, I'm going to get to a spiritual uh, content, content. The WMO, World Meteorological Organization, keeps six separate lists of 21 names alternating, male and female, 
And then when they get to the end of the six years, they recycle and do six more. All right. And you may say, Ed, why 21 and not 26? That's probably troubled you for years. And it's because they do not use the word, the letters Q, U, X, Y, or Z. Why, you ask? Because there are very few people whose first name begins with those. So I wanted to do a test today. If your first name, first name begins with a Q, U, X, Y, or Z, could you raise your hand? Ah, point proven. Nobody in the first service either. Now, someone else asked, what happens when you run out of 21 names? Greek alphabet. They go to the Greek alphabet. So in case, now I know you're really wondering, Ed, what are going to be the names of the storms in 2020? There you go. Everyone, starting with Arthur and then going to that very current name, Bertha. All right. If you're named Bertha, no no offense meant. So have you ever wondered why they name how they came to name killer storms after, after people, especially women? Well, wonder no more. There, there was this time, okay, in 1953, this was the first year that U.S. Meteorolo- meteorologists started to name storms after their wives and girlfriends. Come on! They weren't alphabetized at that point. So seriously, now come on. How dumb can you be? Okay, so let me give you an example. I'm a meteorologist. Come home after a long day at work. I say, hey, Barbara, we got this amazing Category 4 5 storm. It's going to kill all kinds of people. It's going to make all kinds of damage. You know what? Reminded me of you. So I named it Hurricane Barbara. (laughs) Who's going to do that? So now we go into a more serious note. Unfortunately, in your life and in my life, storms come, and they have your name or my name on them. And, and we want those storms to end. That's, the, that's the, the key reaction most of us have to a storm when it comes into our life. We want it to end. You know, maybe it's a storm of, of a marriage difficulty. Maybe that storm has been upgraded to a storm of divorce. Maybe it's a storm of depression that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a, a, a storm of financial concern. You see, many times you and I find ourselves in this life in real pain, all right? That's, that's a truth. And we just want the storms to go away. So what do you do when you're in the middle of a storm? And see, I know that You might look at the series and say, wow, this is quite the series for a joyful time of year of Christmas to be talking about, you know, valleys and wildernesses and uh, and storms. But but listen, if I were to ask for a show of hands, you'd be shocked how many people right now in this room will raise their hand and say, I'm in a storm, or B, I've been in a storm that I can't seem to get over over the effects of that, or I will guarantee you, we'll be in, another, in a storm sometime in the near future. And, and the joy of, of the message we're bringing is how do you deal with those? How do you successfully get through those? Because that's such a positive message because when you know something's coming, when hurricanes are coming, what do they do? They batten up the windows, right? They put, they put boards over it. They, they put sandbags to keep the flooding out. They prepare for that storm. And you know what? If we read the Word of God, how can we not realize that we're going to have storms and that we need to prepare for those in advance? It's hard 
sometimes when we're in the middle of the storm, to try and do the preparation. So what happens for a lot of us when we're in a storm? Well, we do the exact opposite of what we should do. It's natural. A lot of us sometimes start by blaming God for the storm. You know, they'll question, where is God? You know, why is God allowing this to happen? So I want to give you the key thought. I'm going to mention this several times during our message. Okay, and here is what it is. Never, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. So we're going to be looking at Acts 27 today, and we're going to get some perspective on the storms of life. And we're going to get a perspective that God is always with you and I through the storms of life. And we're going to look at this this event that happens. We got a bunch of men in this, in this boat, and this wicked, crazy storm comes up. It goes on for several days, okay? The crew is terrified. They start throwing cargo overboard, but they believe the storm is going to do them in. They're sailors. They've been out in a lot of weather, but in this one, they feel they're not going to make it, all right? They felt they would not survive. If you've ever been out in the ocean where you couldn't see land and you're in, a, in rough water, trust me, it's not fun, okay? It's not fun. It is something you just pray that you could get to land. So as we look at that scripture, I wonder today, are some of us in a similar situation? Have we been in a storm that we just feel won't stop? It continues to rage on and you're tempted to give up hope? And so let me tell you, you know, I've been in ministry and in leadership in churches for over 40 years. And I will tell you that I have listened to a lot of people going through storms. And I've listened to a lot of people who have given up hope. You know, they felt that their marriage could never, ever be healed. They've, they've felt they could never climb out of the financial debt they're in. They felt like, we can't beat this cancer. They felt that they're going to be alone for the rest of their lives. They feel that they're probably never going to find the right person to marry. They're never going to be able to conceive. But see, here's the good news. The good news is that as we prepare for these kind of storms of life, we know that the Word of God says that all things are possible with Him. All things are possible. Natural circumstances don't phase God. But we're going to continue our story on, in verse 21. No one on the boat had eaten for a long time. So not only has it been going on for days, and if you know what it's like in a boat when you're right, you've got to hold on to things. I mean, it's just, it's difficult. And you get weak, obviously, when you don't eat. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. So why were they in this storm? Well, primarily they're in this storm because they decided to go out when they shouldn't have, and they found themselves in danger. You know, sometimes when you or I are in a storm, we want to blame somebody, okay? We want to we blame God a lot of times, some, or the devil or someone else, but sometimes the reality of life is you and I are in storms because of something we did. It's our fault we're in the storm. You know, sometimes we can be right in the middle of a financial storm, but why? Probably because we spent too much. Many times, not always. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because your emotions got away with you at one point. You said something you wish you hadn't said. You did something you wish you hadn't done. 
Sometimes you're in a storm because you procrastinated doing something very important and it turned into a storm. Sometimes you're in a storm because you didn't start investing in your marriage early on and now you're reaping the results of that lack of investment. Sometimes you're in a storm because you were told not to get into a relationship with that person. You were advised, not told. Okay, your family warned you. Your friends warned you. Your pastor warned you. You even got a fortune cookie that warned you. But you argued. But they have potential. And it turned out that they did have potential. They had potential to cause you heartache and pain. But then you wondered, where was God? And the answer was, he was right there speaking, you to, speaking to you through all those people that he sent to bring wisdom in your life. But let me tell you, here's the good news. I've created a number of storms on my own, trust me. But the good news is, God doesn't look at us and say, oh, Ed, that's your storm, I'm out. Okay, no. God doesn't care if you created the storm. He loves you, he's still there, and his promises are still there for you. So, but here's the other thing. So that's one category of people. But there's another category. There were no doubt men on that boat who were not at all at fault. In fact, I know there must have been men on there who said, hey, we've we've heard about this guy, Paul. He's he's a heavy hitter. I mean, he can tell, he's predicted a lot of stuff. He's, He's a heavy, heavy dude. We should listen to him. But you see, the captain is the one that made the decision. And so those guys though they didn't feel like they should go. They end up in the middle of this boat, in the middle of this storm, and it had nothing to do with them. It wasn't their fault. You know, sometimes we can get into the middle of a storm and had nothing to do with anything we did. Maybe you're in that kind of storm right now. You know, sometimes parents try hard to work out their differences, and they just don't work out. But, you know, when there's children involved, as much as they try to protect them, Many times, those kids end up in a storm that they had nothing to do with. You know, maybe the company you work for made some really bad business decisions, and as a result, they have to downsize, and and you're caught in that downsize, and you're let go. Nothing you did wrong. Maybe you trusted somebody. Maybe you told them something that made you very vulnerable, something you told no one else because you trusted them, and they promised they would never tell, but they did. And, and then one day you're in the middle of this horrible storm, but you had nothing to do with that. See, whatever the case, whether you did or you didn't create it, no matter what, sometimes it's easy to get there and just say, you know what, I don't know if I'm ever coming out of this. And you just start to give up hope. But I want to tell you again what I told you earlier. Never, never allow the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Verse 22, Paul says, but now I urge you, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So let's listen to Paul's words here because the Bible is as true on December 15, 2019 as it was in Paul's day. So we go back and read those. And what does Paul say? Hey, we're in the middle of this really horrible storm. You're in the middle of this really horrible storm right now. Keep your courage. Don't lose your faith. The storm is not going to take you down if you are a believer. It's not going to take you down. Just 
keep your courage, not in yourself, not in your abilities, but in a God who says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Verse 23 says, Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. See, we should take pause at this. You're in the middle of a boat. You're in the middle of this raging storm, and there's an angel beside you. Now, in this case, Paul could see them, all right? But, but here, if you read the Word of God, it talks a lot about angels. It talks a lot about spiritual warfare. See, what you can't see right now is in this congregation, there are angels. I know if you're new here, maybe you're not even a Christian, you're saying, well, this guy is a fruitcake, all right? But I'm telling you, I got some big angels. I need more than most. So I got maybe four or five angels up here. Jan's telling me that everybody has two, okay? So, but there are things in the spiritual realm. Let's look at, at 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. It says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, and he said that Elijah was with him. He said, Oh, no. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Man, that was cool. That's got to be really cool. Now, I don't know that Elijah could see them, by the way. I know Elijah knew that his God would protect him, and he wanted his servant to have a physical ability to see them. Around you in your storms are the angelic beings, and they're there. God is there. Everything's there. You got it all. I've read this week in Revelation 5.11 in my devotionals. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne. Wow. See, now that's up there. There's still a lot more down here. See, I believe when you and I are in the middle of a storm, the powerful presence of God is always with us. God's angelic army is always at the ready to defend us from the perpetrator of storms. You and I just can't see them. And I don't know about you, but I've been through some storms. I don't even feel them. I I can't tell they're there because I am really struggling, all right? But God has all these ways of being with us during a storm. One is is this whole warfare, angelic beings that go on all around us that we can't see. One of the primary ways is God sent his spirit to dwell in us. I'm convinced Christians sometimes lose sight of that, that that not only is God going to stand beside you, but his spirit lives within you, okay? And, and he sends people into your life. God has sent people into my life so many times during the seasons of my storms that, that had a word for me, maybe a word of comfort, maybe a word of, of correction, maybe a word of encouragement, but they have allowed me to come out of that storm. And I know who that is. It's not the person It's my God who loves me. Okay, another way God comes to you in the midst of your storm is he's out in front of you. The Bible says he goes ahead of you. He's your rear guard and he's in front of you too. And he goes into your future. You can't go into your future. You worry about your future, but you're not there. He's there. He's able to go before you. Paul said, an angel of the Lord stood beside me in the middle 
of this storm. Never, ever let the presence of a storm in your life cause you to doubt the presence of God. 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. Paul says this. Paul's now in prison. He's going through trials, literal trials, legal trials. He said, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Have you ever felt alone in life? Have you ever had anything going on where you just felt like nobody understands me? Nobody's with me. I'm just out here on my own. Here's Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He didn't know that at the time. But Paul, who evangelized most of the known world, and what does he say in the Scripture? Everyone deserted me. Wow. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. See, Paul knew that by faith. He didn't see the Lord standing by his side. He knew he was there. You see, you and I can count on this, that in the middle of the storm, the Lord has never left you. He's still with you. He's still at your side, and he's giving you strength. And if you don't feel strong, do you ever get to the point where you say, I don't think I can take one more step in this situation, but you do. That's the Lord. Acts 27, 25, King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. If you know anything about David's life, you don't have one that comes close to that the trials, the tribulation, all that he went through. You see, when you realize, when you realize, when you, when you stop for a moment and say, yeah, okay, maybe God is standing right, in, right next to me. Maybe Jesus, you're right there. Maybe Holy Spirit, yeah, you're there. You're inside of me. You see, when you really realize who's standing with you, it should change your posture. It should change your mood. It should change your perspective of the storm you're in. So I have a personal testimony, and I have shared this before, uh, but I'll give you a little different angle on it this time. Um, so I don't know a lot of famous people, uh, but in fact, I don't really know any famous people except one. And, and I went to school, uh, high school with a man by the name of Stedman Graham. I don't know whether you know him, but he's Oprah Winfrey's. I don't really know if it, I think he might be her husband now. Did they get married? No, boyfriend. Okay, for decades. And so Stedman and I went to school. We played ball together, and he'd come to my house. I'd go to his house. And I told this story too, but I'm going to get to a part I didn't tell. So played, I was playing basketball with a group of guys, just moved into the area, didn't know many people, and somebody stole my watch. While I was at basketball, I put it in my coat. And so I found out who it was. It was a guy by the name of Swindoll. And so uh, I found out where he was. He was in this town that was really a sketchy town, and he was in a really bad part of that town. So I went there because I wanted my watch back, found him, nighttime. Uh, I believe at that time I was alone, and he's with his friends. They see me come, and they're laughing. And I said, hey, Swindoll, I heard you stole my watch. What of it? Want it back? He said, I'll give something back to you. And with that, a switchblade came out, took out a knife, and I'm standing there alone, looking at the switchblade, saying, hmm, I really want that watch. I got a bunch of guys that I play basketball with standing around. They're going to think, so I said, how hard can this be? You know, he's smaller than I am. I've watched on TV knife fights, okay? The guy swings at you, grab his arm, go like this. He drops the knife, you punch him in the face, and you win. With that, this hand grabs my shoulder from behind and says to me, this, remember, it's the 60s, and this is the vernacular. I won't give you the whole vernacular. But he says, you are the dumbest honky I've ever met in my life. 
and I look around, and there's Stedman. Now, Stedman is about the same height as me, but very big and very muscular, okay? So he looks across at Swindoll and says, Swindoll, I won't tell you everything he said, get out of here. And Swindoll says, hey, he started it. And Stedman said, if I see you in 30 seconds from now, you will regret that you ever came here tonight. Swindoll turned around and went off with all of his friends, which, of course, I think would say, yeah, you get out of here. You get out. I'm telling you, get, you want a little of this? You, you get out of here. You know, Stedman had a few words for that, too. Um, but you see, you say, what's the point of all this? See, I was scared to death, to be perfectly frank with you. I didn't know what I was going to do. And as soon as Stedman grabbed my shoulder and started talking to that guy, I stood up straighter. I suddenly was very brave, okay? I felt so much better because I had somebody standing next to me that would fight my battle for me. I knew I was okay. I wasn't going to die. And see, that was a person. That was a, that was a man, just think what you and I can think of when we're going through our storms, when the switchblades of, of life are in front of us. You have the God of all creation standing next to you. Now, I know you can't see him, but that's the whole issue of faith. I can tell you I've been in enough storms, and I, I had somebody come up right after my message for a service, had an awesome testimony of exactly what I, what I shared. And I can tell you this. He's there. He's strengthening you. See, it's all about who's in your boat with you. That's what counts. And in the New Testament, we have this other story, by the way, another boat story. The apostles are all in the uh, boat uh, with Jesus, who happens to be sleeping, raging storm. They're freaking out. Okay, they're fishermen too. It must have been a bad storm. And that, you can just hear them saying, wait a minute, this isn't fair. Wait, Jesus, what are you, you going to do? Don't you care? You know, oh my goodness, we're, gonna, we're not going to, I don't like this, Jesus. This is not what we bargained for. And Jesus wakes up, looks at them and says, oh. Why are you so upset? Oh, you of little faith. I'm right here in the stinking boat with you. Well, I don't think he said that. Um, But Jesus then says, peace be still. I know the waves came down, but I'll tell you else who he said that to. The apostles. Peace, be still. See, real peace is not found in the absence of storms. It doesn't work that way. Real peace. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace is not found in a trouble-free life. It doesn't exist for anyone on the face of the earth. John 16.33 says this, I've told you these things, Jesus speaking, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. This isn't the EHV version. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It is not the peace and the contentment you wish to see and feel is not in the absence of trouble. It is found in the presence of Jesus. He's with you. He's always with you. He's right beside you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Acts 27, the next verse, 23. Last night, you read, we read this one. It talks about the angel being next to him. But it goes on to say, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. See, the angel tells him, Don't worry about this, Paul. Don't be upset because God's not finished with you yet. You have more to do. You know, you have more battles I need you to fight. In other words, Paul, you can't go down in this storm because God isn't finished with you yet. 
And I want you to hear this if you're going through the battle. You cannot and will not go down in the battle, okay? Because God has more for you to do. He has more for me to do. He isn't finished with you yet. The old saying, if you're not dead, you're not done. And that applies. See, God has more people for you and I to love. He has more opportunities for you and I to serve in. He, he has more times he wants to bless others through you. And yes, he has more times he wants to bless you. See, you're not going down in this. Now, your ship may go down. Okay, sometimes we find ourselves in these places of life where we are trusting a ship, okay, where we're in something that God says, if you stay there, I can't get you over here. So I'm going to sink that ship on you, okay? You're fine. You'll be fine. It seems like you're going down sometimes, but God will sink a ship now and then. We may lose that, but God will always keep us safe. God will use you and what you've learned in those battles to work in the lives of others going through similar storms. See, there's a purpose in every storm. No storm surprises God. He's doing something in you. He's speaking to you. I'm going to tell you this. You cannot grow in the Lord without storms. You can't. You learn nothing on the mountaintops. The only thing you learn on the mountaintop is that a valley and a storm's coming. But my intimacy with Jesus Christ is not based on my holiness and all the things I do that are right. It's based on I've been in storms heavy-duty storms, not maybe as heavy-duty as some of yours, but heavy-duty for me. And when I come out the other side of that, I have more trust in God. I have more awareness of his grace and his mercy. I have more love for others. You know, I remember my partner, Jack Hartman, who recently passed away. And Jack taught a Bible study with, with over, you know, 600 people there on a Tuesday night. He was just, he was my spiritual father, my spiritual mentor. And I remember he went through a tragic divorce right in the middle of the height of his ministry. It was, it was tragic. I mean, he cried every day for six months. Uh, and, and I remember several years later saying, Jack, have you changed your counsel regarding divorce to the people that seek out counsel from you? And he said, no, I haven't, Ed. But it used to be I would just give them my counsel. Now I put the, my arm around them and I just cry with them. And I thought, how much more powerful is that? You know, if if you're addicted to drugs, I can tell you a lot of scriptures and I can share with you what I think is right. But guess what? I've never been addicted to drugs. I don't really have a great understanding of that. But if you want to know what it's like to go through financial disaster, I can help you there. If you want to know what it's like to live with a debilitating disease, I can help you there. Even You know, keep believing, keep trusting. But hey, I know what that feels like. If you want to know what it's like to survive a really, really horrible time in your marriage, I can help you there. Because I've been through those storms. And I've come out the other side, and I can say to you, if you're in financial troubles, God delivered me out of those. He can deliver you. Maybe you have something where you have come out of something, and you can say to somebody else, look, I know what you're going through. I did that, and God delivered me, and that same God will deliver you. You know, you suddenly become a testimony for God. You know, sometimes we think, I don't know how to go out and share the gospel with someone. Share the story of your storms. Your story is always about storms. It's always about that. See, God is doing something. He's working in all of us. I know this sounds really weird, okay? 
But if you could understand this principle, you would actually pray, God, bring into my life the storms I need to be who you've created me to be. Now, none of you have ever prayed that, storm, that prayer. <laughs> and I don't know that any of you will when you leave here today. But if you really grasp the power of storms in our lives, you would understand they're not to be feared. You know, I've gone through storms of anxiety and storms of, of adult children issues and all kinds of storms that, that I have just been brought to my knees on. And, and yet it's in those very, the stories I can tell you there are exactly why I can trust God in the storms I go through today. Paul says, keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told you. Keep your courage, he says again. See, my faith in God is that it will happen. I know God's word. You need to know God's word. My faith is not in a boat. It's in the God that can control the winds and the waves. It's not in a ship. My faith is in a God that made the trees that they used to build the ship. My faith is in a God that says this and that, and it will happen. And I believe that my faith is in a God who brings healing and comfort to me in my storms. It's a God that can show me how to have peace in the midst of those more than having them stop or change to be what I want them to be. See, the bottom line is this. You, you and I can't have a lot, don't have a lot of control over when storms come. We don't have a lot of control about how powerful storms are or how long they last a lot of times but you do have control about how you react to them by what you believe and where your faith goes at those times. We sang a song today, in the middle of the storm, I'm holding on to you. When I was a child and I became afraid and my parents were around, what did I do? I ran to them and I put my arms around their leg if I was that small or something. I just knew that if I could have them, if I could hold on to them, I could make it through whatever was scaring me. We do the same thing with our God. You know, our God is a God of comfort. Our God is a God of faithfulness. Our God is a God that uses every storm, every storm for his purposes and for our blessing. And who is he? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. When God puts a message on my heart, I come believing that there are people here that need to hear the word that I've spoken. Nothing to do with me, all to do with him. You know, I got, I don't, you get these emails now and then, it's such a blessing, but I got an email a number of weeks ago from, from one of the individuals here that came up after one of my messages and just was just distraught. And we prayed. And you know, literally that day, First, God changed them and, and just lifted. And then God actually changed the circumstances that week. And, and they wrote me this wonderful email. And, and see, that's what I trust God for, that when, when there's a message, I give an invitation for people that are going through or experiencing what, whatever the message is that I'd like to pray for you because I believe God doesn't do this by accident. So I'm going to ask you, if you're here today, and you're in a storm, whether it's of your doing or someone else's doing. If you're in a storm, I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you today for that storm. I see that hand. Yes, 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 
Yes, yes, yes, yes. All right. So I want to pray for you. So, Father, I don't know the storms, but, but Satan isn't very creative, so the storms are usually pretty predictable. They can be health. They can be relationships. They can be finances. They can be depression, other mental uh, concerns. They can be children. They can be fear. They can be, but there's a limited number of things. But, Father God, it doesn't matter what the storm is. You're faithful. You're there. You're our steadman with your hand on our shoulder, and you're taking care of everything. Father, if we believe that, if we believe that, then, Father, things change in us and around us. Father, I pray for these, those ones that raise their hands, that today, Lord, you would encourage them with your presence. I don't care what they feel. I care what they believe. I want them to leave here today believing that in the midst of this storm they're going through, that, God, you know you're there, you are going to strengthen them, and you are going to bring them through this successfully. Father, I pray for their faith to soar this week. I pray for them, regardless of the circumstances, to speak to you, to cry out to you, to pray to you, and to say, God, I believe you're with me in this storm. Now show me, God, what is it you have me to do? And let them count that as certain. I pray this, Father, and I believe that you sent your angels and your spirit out ahead of this message, knowing that those individuals would be here today to hear, and you have a plan for them in the midst of this storm. I pray this in Jesus, your precious, holy, wonderful, amazing name. Amen. Amen. Well, I am blessed that you came today. I have uh, a very happy or Merry Christmas greeting and enjoy your Sunday. God bless you.